0: And now, it's time to get to work.
3: Adam, you and the rest of the listeners will be glad to know that Peyton Manning squeaked in to being a Hall of Fame semifinalist on Tuesday.
2: Just under the gun,
3: right? Just barely made it. (laughs) I'm sure it was a heated debate.
2: Yeah, it, was pro- it probably sounded a lot like this. Peyton Manning in. And... <laughs> Pretty sure that's how that conversation went. Like, what else do you say? Although I I will say, I, and you brought it up, so I'm going to bring it up. Uh, I, there was this tweet. I'm sure some people have seen it. This guy tweeting that he didn't think Peyton Manning was a Hall of Famer, uh, that he was just a stat compiler, uh, which is hilarious because in football, if you're a stat compiler and you're and – you're, Frank Gore, that's one thing. But if you're the quarterback of a uh, of teams that win Super Bowls, I feel like that's not really what it is. I, it just gave me the opportunity to bust out my A.C. Slater stupid gif, which is such a versatile, uh, well-used gif. I love that gif. I use it all the time. It, it just fits perfectly with my response to, you know, when people say stupid things. And that, that was at the pinnacle of stupidity
3: to say that Peyton Manning isn't really a Hall of Famer. Like, go,
2: okay, go away.
3: Stupid. Even even the biggest mass hole around would think that that was stupid.
2: Yeah. Honestly, I don't even know that this guy was a was is from Massachusetts. I don't think he's a Patriots fan. I think he's just an idiot. You know, there are people out there that are like that. That are just dumb. There's just dumb people out there. That happens. You know, and that's you know that's okay. Everybody has to live with the you know the the brain that they were given at birth, and uh, this guy's brain doesn't function properly. You know, he'll be fine. He seems to be doing well in other areas. So, you know, he just is a football stupid. We'll just leave it at that, I suppose.
3: But good. since we're we're talking about Peyton Manning, he's going to be doing the match again. He's doing the match three on Friday. Right. So it won't be a Black Friday because we get to watch Peyton Manning in Broncos country. He'll be pairing with Stephen Curry. And the only pro golfer involved in the match three is Phil Mickelson who drew the short stick of pairing with Charles Barkley, who is probably the worst golfer ever.
2: Ever. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for Chuck. You know, it's funny. Charles Barkley is uh, an incredible athlete. He is, is one of the top 50 basketball players of all time, yada, yada, yada. I'll, tell you, I'll say top 10. I mean, you, you can give them all the accolades you want. It is impressive to me. And this is one of those things about golf that I think is uh, is what makes golf infuriating, but something that we all kind of love, or not all of us, but I do. It's part of the reason I love it. Golf is the great equalizer in, in, in certain ways. And it takes people who are incredible athletes and people who are Jason Duffner, If if you know who that is, just think, think of a guy named Jason Duffner. And I guarantee you just thought of Jason Duffner and, and it puts them on equal footing. And I, I like to play golf because I know that I am um, not very good at it, but it's an opportunity to, to be outside with some buddies, drinking some beers and, and hitting a golf ball as hard as I can and not really caring about where it goes, but to watch Charles Barkley golf and to know that this is a guy who could run up and down a basketball court and and just put people to shame. And, I mean, seriously, think about Charles Barkley in his prime and then to watch him just, like, chop through a, like, there's, like, four hitches and a stop and a giddy-up and then a swing, and you're like, dude, you're an athlete. How is this possible? Golf is one of the great equalizers. If you If, if you're a great athlete, it doesn't mean you're a great
3: golfer. And I love that. I think the best way to compare Charles Barkley's swing is how Shaquille O'Neal shot free throws. Ooh, it's almost like the exact same, like, start, stop, start, stop. It's very awkward. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I have heard
2: and I have actually seen uh, Charles Barkley on, in the, on the driving range is, is a phenomenal ball striker. Hits the ball well. It goes where he wants it to go. It's the second he sets foot on an actual golf course it is a mental block for him and it, it, what it does again i think it sort of goes back to that idea that that golf is one of those games that can really humanize people it can take people who you know are just absolutely better than you uh, in in an athletic setting and sort of bring them down to your level and so you know i would love to golf with charles because i would i would probably take a little money off of him and i'm a guy that breaks 90 you know every every 10 or 15 rounds. (laughs) I'm not great. Terrible putter. That's my, that's my fault. You know, I, I can't putt, but that's all right. This is a Broncos podcast, right?
3: It is. And I think we'll eventually get to the saints game. I think we're just delaying the inevitable because the saints are eight and two. And right now the best team in the NFC. Yeah. I would say that even without drew Brees.
2: Well, you know that's an interesting conversation to have. We were talking about this a little bit before, and I was impressed with how well they played with Taysom Hill at under center. I, and if I, if I'm Jameis Winston, I'm looking at things going. Wait, wait a minute. What what happened, guys? Because Jameis Winston is is still the backup, and uh, I've tweeted in the past about how I didn't understand uh, Sean Payton's love affair with Taysom Hill. I take it back. I get it. Uh, he's he's pretty good, and. Uh, that is not a good thing for Broncos for the Broncos.
3: I think a lot of it is to do with Sean Payton, with the way that he's able to coach. The I I think he really is one of the more forward-looking offensive coaches. I think he's a big reason Drew Brees has had the success that he has had over the course of his career. Obviously, Drew Brees is just a great quarterback. But Sean Payton knows how to coach offense. He knows how to put an offense together that benefits the entire 11 guys on the field and takes advantage of a defense's weaknesses. And I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves for as good of a coach as he is. And the what, what I like about him is Roddy White, the former Falcons receiver, tweeted how the Falcons were just going to destroy the Saints with Taysom Hill. And Sean Payton, with troll factor A+, plus retweeted it.
2: Level 700 on that. Fantastic. 200 IQ trolling right there. Uh, You you know, I'm going to actually second your, he's a great coach, and I'm going to go a step further. Drew Brees is not Drew Brees without Sean Payton. And we know, at least I think we know that, because we saw Drew Brees when he was in uh, San Diego, when the Chargers were in San Diego, when he was with them, and he wasn't a great quarterback. And I think Sean Payton deserves a lot of credit. Now, I, I do... Uh, understand that Drew Brees clearly had that talent in him to be the quarterback that Sean Payton needed. But what we witnessed over uh, the course of the last 20 years, when I, and we have to go back 20 years, is there are two coach-quarterback combos that really lasted for a couple of decades that won Super Bowls. I mean, obviously, Drew Brees has won one Super Bowl, and you might be able to tell I'm talking about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. But that that combination of Breeze and Payton is an incredible combination. And it's one that uh, I think looking at the way that Sean Payton is coaching up Taysom Hill right now should tell you just how good he really is. Just how great a coach Sean Payton really is. And I, I think if you're the Denver Broncos, you might be a little nervous about that because this is a really good this is a really good Saints team. Really good. And Taysom Hill is is a pretty talented football player.
3: And he still has Alvin Kamara, running back. The Latavius Murray is kind of that um his name is escaping me. He went up to Baltimore. Mark as Ingram. A yeah,
2: Mark Ingram. Yeah. So he,
3: he's that power back that the Saints utilize very well. They still have Michael Thomas. And don't forget about Emmanuel Sanders. This will be his first trip back to the Mile High City since being traded to the San Francisco 49ers last season. So this is still a dynamic offense, but the thing that carries this Saints team and the reason they're going to be a Super Bowl contender is their defense. Their defense is no joke.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, they they did score me 20 fantasy points against the Falcons, so thanks, Roddy White, for that. Um <laughs> it is, it's, fair, it's fair to point out that another part of why Sean Payton is such a good coach is because he is good at just getting a defense together and, and allowing a good defensive coordinator to do his job. Uh, I, I think that we are um, sort of in awe of their offense all the time because it is innovative. It is forward-looking. It is uh, an offense that you, you kind of go, wow, look at all these weapons, look at what they're able to do, and that defense gets – uh less credit than it probably should now I will say they've been somewhat inconsistent this year when I say somewhat inconsistent you're you're still talking about an eight and two team uh that is really 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 good and the defense is really 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 good there there really aren't a lot of holes but it is something where uh if the Broncos are going to pull out a win and I'm not uh going to even get into predictions right now but if they're going to pull out a win it's going to require that defense to to have a down day. They're going to have to be off their game a little bit because without that, it's it's going to be a long day for Broncos fans. And and I know that we're all very happy about uh, the fact that they got the win against Miami. It felt good to see them uh, play well. Miami was a whole different animal, and what you're about to what you're about to watch is a is a team that is a Super Bowl contending team. The, the New Orleans Saints are a team that could win the Super Bowl. And if you look at the Broncos' schedule and you think about the teams that they've played that are Super Bowl-contending teams, I mean, they played, what, the Steelers, the Chiefs, they'll play the Saints, but the Steelers and the Chiefs are really the only two that, at least in my opinion, I can't really think of another game where I went, oh, that team could win the Super Bowl. Steelers and Chiefs could play, could win the Super Bowl. The Saints could win the Super Bowl. They were close with the Chiefs or with the, the Steelers. They were not close with the Chiefs. Uh, you know, it, I guess
3: we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, all right, get out there. Let's see what happens. If we're going to dive in, <clears throat> diving into the keys to the game. Sure, jump in. To me, it's feed fill. And Ryan Konisberg started it. He's with DNVR. He sent out a tweet on Monday that highlighted these statistics. And then I, I picked up on it from my play Colorado preview. When Lindsay has 15 carries, the Broncos have won six straight games. In his three-year career, Denver is 10 and four when he gets 15 carries or more. Now, as Ryan points out, well, you, you run the ball when you're winning or you have the lead or in situations like that. Ryan points out that since he entered the league, Denver is three and five and games when any other back on the roster gets 15 or more carries. Now, there are multiple ways to look at those stats. To me, it's really simple. You need to feed Philip Lindsay. The offense is better when he's involved. It really is that simple. It's not about when he gets the when he gets the carries, when in the game situation he's involved, he needs the carries. Because as we have been saying for weeks, and Broncos Country has been saying it, he's the heart and soul of the offense. When you feed him the ball, the rest of the offense kind of it starts to click with him. That that goes for Melvin Gordon. That goes for Drew Locke in the passing game. Feed Philip Lindsay the ball, and then obviously a caveat to that is. The offensive line is gonna to have to block as well as it did against Miami because this front seven for the Saints is a hell of a lot better than the one that they just faced for the Dolphins.
2: Yeah, they're they're no joke. And and uh and they don't have to use the Amoeba uh movement around moving around and stuff. They just they just line up across from you and they and they smack you right in the face. Uh you know, keys to the game are tricky on this one because I, I was trying to think of you know, you talk about the offense, you talk about Philip Lindsay, and I was trying to think about the defense. What does the defense have to do? And, and you start to think about all those weapons. And we're talking about a Saints team that doesn't have their starting quarterback, right? Drew Brees is out. But you're still talking about a Saints team that's offense is going to – this offense is going to be good with Taysom Hill under center. And so what is what is it that the defense can do here? And, and it really is going to boil down to turnovers. It's going to boil down to forcing some turnovers, getting the ball back, and, and grabbing some of those extra possessions. Because if they can't get any turnovers, I don't imagine that they're going to have a lot of success stopping the Saints. And I'm not saying that the Saints are just going to run up and down and score 70 points. And I mean, this isn't like some, you know, Clemson or Alabama versus Little Sisters of the Poor, but it is a really good offensive football team against a a Denver Broncos team that struggles, but the defense has been good most of the time. So I I imagine that if the Broncos are going to win, the defense is going to have to keep them in this game. The defense is going to have to make some stops, get some turnovers and really give the offense extra opportunities, extra possessions. And if they can't do that, if they can't hold really, if they can't hold the saints to 27 or eight points, and that's, that's still pretty high, the, the Broncos will have no shot at winning this game. And so it, it is going to fall on the defense to really maybe play the best game they've played all season. And we, we know they have the talent. We know they have the capability. I am actually a big fan of Vic Fangio's defense. I think, I think that uh, no matter what happens this season, I think Vic Fangio needs to be given another year because of how good this defense is. I just don't know if it's gonna be enough against the Saints, but it is going to require a Herculean effort from this defense to keep them in the game so that they might have a chance at the end.
3: You mentioned the turnover battle. They lost that turnover battle against Miami. That can't happen against the Saints. If if the Saints have more if the Saints get more takeaways than the Broncos do, it's gonna be a long day because you can't give the Saints extra possessions. Drew Locke, Melvin Gordon can't fumble.
2: On the goal line.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you just – you cannot give this offense extra possessions because it will come back and it will haunt you. Um, And, and I do think it, it all ties together because I think what we saw on, on Sunday against the Dolphins was – it was the best game of the season for the Broncos because I felt like it was complimentary football. The defense wasn't forced or asked – To do it all, it didn't fall on the defense to keep the game alive for the entire team. They were able to just play, and that's because of how effectively the Broncos ran the football. That is going to have to be the recipe the rest of the season because it takes the pressure off of Drew Locke, as we said on the postgame recap. It doesn't put the onus on him to have to throw the ball 50 times it doesn't it, the the offensive line doesn't have to pass protect. You can tell an offense is rolling when it runs the football because the offensive line is in it. That's what they love to do. Offensive linemen will tell you they love to run block more than they do pass protect. So get Philip Lindsay involved, get him those 15 carries or more and you at least give yourself a chance.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I do think it's really that simple. I, and I know that we maybe sound like a broken record when we do these uh, keys to the game sometimes just because, uh, you know, kind of like no duh, right? You sort of – it's like you look at it and you go, well, yeah, win the turnover battle and and run the football. Of course, yes, that is the key to the game. Those are the two main keys to the game. There's others, but it's like, yeah, they have to do those. The, the question is can they, right? Will they be able to execute? It is – Going to be a difficult game. This this Saints team is really really good, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna blow sunshine uh, where the sun don't shine, if you if you will. I'm not gonna just bust out candy canes and rainbows here. It's important that you acknowledge that when you go to watch this game on Sunday, put your orange and blue colored glasses on. But remember, reality is probably gonna kick you in the teeth at some point, and you're just gonna have to live with it. If they can, if they can do those things, though, if the defense can keep them in it, if they can win the turnover battle, and if Philip Lindsay can go off, I think they have a shot. I really do. I think they have a shot if they can do those things.
3: Anybody? I mentioned, anybody? I mentioned the Saints' defense; they're the second in the league at rush yards per game. So that shows you that they get after it. And I, I but I do think the win over the Dolphins can spark some confidence in this team. I wonder if Pat Shermer is going to stick with it because it was really the first instance all year where he really stuck with something. He had a great game plan and you gave him, uh, you you put him on, on your winner's list for the winners and losers, which I thought was needed. Hopefully this gives him confidence that he can create a game plan like he did against the dolphins that can go against the saints because that's going to be imperative. I, I think if, if, if the Broncos' offense becomes one becomes one dimensional, just like the turnovers, it will be a very long day. It'll for be the rough. Broncos. It'll be rough,
2: you know. And it's interesting you bring up Pat Shermer. They ran a lot more two and three tight end sets. I think that's that's the reason that Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon were able to run the ball the way that they were is you, the use of two and three tight end sets, and then being able to throw out of those. And so, uh, you know, I I know people want to talk about dumbing down the offense, and do you have to dumb it down? Yeah, dumb it down. If that's what you want to call it or simplify the offense, but simplify the game plan to reflect what this team is good at and putting two and three tight ends out there and limiting Drew Locke's options when he's throwing the ball and giving him an opportunity to get comfortable and running the ball effectively is how you're going to win football games. And I know that I've said in the past, and I'm still kind of there with it, that this season is essentially over. And, and I do believe that. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. If they do, that's great. And I hope they prove me wrong. But every game this this season, from now until the end of the season, is an opportunity to continue to progress in in the offense, right? It's an opportunity for Pat Shermer and Drew Locke and the entire offense to get onto the same page, to figure out what they're good at, and to start doing that. And if it leads to wins, that's awesome. That's gravy. But what it should lead to, and what I would hope that it would lead to, because I think this is probably where we're headed, is a 2021 season where they're all on the same page already. They've had a full year together, and they're going to be actually successful when when they get into next season. So again, I'm kind of back to that, that point of, you're really building still for 2021, and the Miami game was maybe a start of, of hey, this is what we're really good at. Let's keep doing that and then build on it. You've got to have a foundation. You can't just be willy-nilly all over the place and hope it's going to work. You've got to have a foundation. And if two and three tight end sets and running the football is your foundation and that's what's going to make your team successful, and then you build on that, that to me is a much better strategy than asking drew Locke to throw the ball 50 times in a game and being critical of him not being good in the middle of the field or whatever okay yeah he's not good at it but let's let's give let's i'm gonna say dumb it down just because that's what people will will go to it's simplified simplify it run the football give him fewer fewer options and make sure that they're open and you know what i'm saying like i'm i'm cool with that and if it leads to wins fantastic that's that's what i want to see
3: And I think it's important to acknowledge that I think one of the reasons the offensive line has played as well as it has at times this season is because of Garrett Bowles. We we have been hard on him throughout the first four years of his career, but the young man has stepped up and has become arguably the best left tackle in football, which I did not have on my 2020 (laughs) bingo card. Tweeted that earlier. (laughs) <laughs> let let alone the fact that he's played as well as he has and you could make the argument that he's been the offensive mvp for this team. Ooh. Yeah, I think you could make that argument. He's not only proved me and you and basically all Everybody. of Broncos country wrong. Everybody. He is legitimately and arguably the best left tackle in football this season.
2: Yeah. I, you know it's funny because uh, I th- I think it was Tim that shared the stats. I think uh, holding penalties are down 30% in the NFL this year uh, from last year. And I-, I think that might all be attributable to the fact that Garrett Bowles isn't being called four and five times a game for holding. But I think maybe it's all him. Like everyone's like, oh, they're just not calling holding anymore. I, I think it's all Garrett Bowles just being better. <laughs> I-, I mean, maybe I'm a little bit off, but statistically speaking, that's got
3: to help. Absolutely. I It's just – it's fantastic to see. And John Elway gets a lot of flack, but the patience with Garrett Bowles paid off. I, and I think I wonder how much working with Chris Cooper and Mike Munchak has helped. And the fact that I mean, Benjamin Albright said this when we had him on our podcast, which feels like eight years ago yeah, it was forever. in the spring, <laughs> he talked about how Garrett Bowles would improve. And he has, and I, I think it, it. He deserves a lot of credit. He, he really does. He, he's, he's been booed a lot, um, and and taken a lot, a lot of heat. John Elway took a lot of heat for that draft pick. We said he, hey, he could have drafted Ryan Ramczyk, who is going to be on the field coincidentally on Sunday. But at, at this point, we talk about how Elway and the organization needs to pay Justin Simmons. I think it may be more crucial that they pay Garrett Bowles.
2: Wow, now there's now there's a conversation to have. Is it is it more important that the Denver Broncos pay Justin Simmons or Garrett Bowles? I I, uh, I am not kicking that Hornets nest. I will allow you to own that because <laughs> I I don't really know. Can
3: you pay them both? Like, what's the rule on? Well, there? they have. I think they have the cap space to do both. Yeah, but I think in the grand scheme of things, it is much harder as. The Broncos have proven to find a franchise left tackle than to have a Pro Bowl, All Pro level safety. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying either of them is bad. I'm not saying Justin Simmons isn't a phenomenal player. We love. I'm not Justin saying Simmons. they're gonna have to choose. I'm just saying, I never thought that I would be saying it may be more important to pay Garrett Bowles than Justin Simmons. I want Elway to pay both. It's just, it's 2020.
2: I mean, my bingo card doesn't have any of those things on it. This is totally unfair. I think my bingo card was made for 2019, and I'm trying to play with it in 2020. This is not fair. I need a better bingo card. Can I trade mine in? Actually, I'd like to trade mine in for 2021. Uh, just to, just go ahead and give up on 2020 and move on. I think that might be better. All right, so do you, do you have, spe- speaking of all of those players that we have brought up, do you got a player to watch? Let's go offense first. You got a player to watch on offense?
3: Lloyd Cushenberry.
2: Oh, you stole my, dang it. Oh, I didn't think see, you were going to go
3: that direction. We've been going, we, we've been doing this for so long. <laughs> I knew that's what you were going with. So I, I went first. I'm I, pretty sure this
2: is two episode 285. So yeah, this is, we've been doing this a while.
3: I, I do think it's Lloyd Cushenberry. I think the interior of the offensive line has to do its job. I and I'll, I'll add I'll add in Dalton Reisner and Graham Glasgow or Austin Schlotman if he if he's a, if he has to go I don't know how severe uh, Glasgow's ankle injury was it looked like he left the game on Sunday against the Dolphins um, so I, I think it, it's Lloyd Cushenberry in the interior part of that offensive line because if they're able to go you're going to have a successful day.
2: Yeah, I like that. All right, so I'll go. <clears throat> Ding. All right. Well, and you know what? I'm going to go with the tight ends. Uh, I'm hopeful that what you will see is um, Philip Lindsay kind of Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon get going. But then the other thing that we have seen, and and I don't think that this is wrong, we have seen that Drew Locke and Noah Fant in particular, but Drew Locke and Nick Vanette uh, and, and Troy Fumagalli, if you if you can get him in the game. Drew Locke uses those security blankets pretty well, and those tight ends are pretty good security blankets. Uh, it is maybe the biggest uh, bummer of the season is that Albert O uh, ended up going out for the season with an injury. That was too bad because I think that he and Drew Locke had really good chemistry. Obviously, being college teammates helped. But this is a, uh, a way for him, and when I say him, I mean Drew Locke, Uh, to really lean on players that are going to give him the opportunity to be successful. Uh, When you think about Tim Patrick and, and and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and those kinds of receivers, they're guys that are going to be more for like stretching the field. They're going to be more risky throws there with them. You get a guy like Noah Fant going, it's not a risky throw. And then he usually turns those into bigger gains than you think they're going to be. I mean, that is something that I think is really important. So, understanding that when Drew Locke throws the football, he needs to have that um, confidence in who he's throwing it to. I think the, the, the player to watch is going to be Noah Fant and, and then the other tight ends on top of that. That's sort of the direction I'm going to go with that one. Defense. I'm going to let you go first again. I'll be curious to see if you steal my defensive player to watch. This, this is Now I'm just doing an experiment at this point.
3: Well, I'm pretty sure I'm stealing it because it's A.J. Boye. Now,
2: I wasn't gonna say AJ Boye, but that's a good one. I like it. I because he,
3: he is he has he struggled to say the least. I mean, obviously he's been hurt. He got hurt in the first game of the season against the Titans, but he hasn't been right since he came off of IR. He he hasn't looked like the cornerback that that John Elway, Vic Fangio, and the Broncos were hoping to get. Um but, but he needs to be he needs to be a hell of a lot better on Sunday because as we've talked about The Saints offense is loaded. You have Michael Thomas. You have Emmanuel Sanders. You have all kinds of different weapons. And now I'm spacing out who the tight end is for the Saints. But we know how the Broncos struggle covering tight ends. So I I think A.J. Boye needs to be better. And I I think it's important to point out that Bryce Callahan has, I think, been the best Broncos quarterback when he's been on the field. It, it, It has shown why Vic Fangio wanted him. He he's looking like the Bryce Callahan that was in who was in Chicago. They need AJ Boyer to step up. They need him to be the cornerback they were expecting and hoping to get when they traded him, traded with uh, Jacksonville to get him.
2: Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that. And he he wasn't going to be my player to watch, but I'm glad he was yours. Uh, the the phantom holding call that negated Justin Simmons' uh, interception against the Dolphins was a bit of a bummer. But then the rest of the game he was just getting worked and th- the way that he was playing it, re- it really did make me think that he's not quite 100%. I don't think he is um fully there. I and I understand if you're if you're on the field you're 100%. Like that's kind of the mentality you have to have, but you can just kind of tell something isn't right and it might it might be more in his head than anything else. And so I, you know, I hope that he can have a better game because When you start to play bad like that, when you start to have uh, poor performances, that gets in your head and then then it can snowball on you. And he's going to need a confidence builder. And this is a tough game, uh, I think, if you're trying to use the Saints as an opportunity to gain some confidence, uh, good luck. Uh, My player to watch is actually going to be the defensive line, the whole defensive line. Uh, You know, the way that they played against the Dolphins and handled their business – when it came to the running game and it came to containing Tua Tagovailoa, is was impressive, especially considering the number of players that they are missing from that starting defensive line. And I gave Deshaun Williams a, a, a you know a winner spot, uh, and he was my game ball because of how well he played against the Dolphins. He's going to have to continue that. So I'm not necessarily making him my specific player to watch because I don't think that you can do that with this defensive line. There's too much rotation going on. But the defensive line, the interior defensive line, is going to have to contain Taysom Hill, is going to have to uh, make it difficult for him to find passing lanes, going to have to not let him scamper and run around and really give opportunities to Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed to kind of wreak havoc, if you will, and get to Taysom Hill and contain Alvin Kamara. And it's a, it is going to be a big job up front. It is going to be difficult for them to accomplish that. I don't know that it's possible, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. But that's, that's, that's where I'm watching. That's what I'm looking for. I'd like to see some batted passes, you know, that kind of stuff. A few sacks.
3: Yeah, I'm with you because if they're able to get some interior pressure, I, I think we said this earlier in the season, Bradley Chubb, Malik Reed, those edge rushers have to hold containment because Taysom Hill is a mobile quarterback. And he'll, if you, if you get up too far, if you go beyond the pocket that opens it up for him to either run the ball and he'll run over the defensive backs because he's just, he's enormous they need to they need to have containment they can't allow him to get out of the pocket so that's why it's so important to get interior pressure because i mean it's the old adage if you want to slow down a quarterback you have to get interior pressure that's the case for tom brady that's the case for patrick mahomes it's the case for taysom hill
2: yeah i mean it doesn't matter really who the quarterback is you got to get pressure on him and 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 they can I believe they can. Like I've said, I, I really believe in this Broncos defense, and I believe in their uh, in their coaching staff and, and the ability to, to put together a game plan that can be successful. But they're, they're going to have to execute, and I think they can do that. All
3: right, let's get to our predictions,
2: our score predictions. Who do you think is going to win? What do you think the score is going to be? All that good
3: stuff. I, I want to say that the Broncos are going to keep it close and have have the chance to cover. And the Broncos are 6-4 and four against the spread this year, and they opened this game against the Saints – Depending on the book, a five and a half to six point underdog. So I I want to say that the Broncos will will keep it closer than that, but it, it really is going to come down to how effective the Broncos are running the football, and as you said, how how effective the Broncos defensive line is at getting pressure and stopping Alvin Kamara and and Murray, because if if all of those are going at once, it, it has the potential to be a blowout. Um, I, I do think that the Broncos will keep it close, but I think the Saints defense is going to be too much late in the game and the Saints will be able to take over at that point. So I think it's going to be 27, 17. I don't Ooh. think it's going to be a blowout, so to speak, but I do think that, uh, the Broncos won't be able to cover the spread. So as you were starting
2: to talk, I actually scribbled out my original score prediction of thirty-six to twenty uh, because I I think I pretty much talked myself into a closer game as we were talking about the Broncos' defense, and I changed my score to twenty-seven to twenty. And I'm kind of in the in the same boat here. And I don't you know I know it gets boring when people make the same predictions. It, it, it's not necessarily a, the same prediction. It's just recognizing that. This is not going to be a cakewalk. This is not going to be an easy game, and no games in the NFL are easy. Like I, I get that, but this particular matchup I think is a lot more difficult uh, than, say, the Dolphins matchup of, of last week. And I and I understand that I predicted a big win for the Dolphins, uh, in, <laughs> and I'm I maybe overdid there, but I do think the defense is 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 going to keep them in the game. I think the offense is going to get some points. I just don't think they have enough firepower to really to really overcome what the Saints can do, uh, and, and and so you know not necessarily a comeback to earth moment, right? It's not a. I don't think this is a game where you're gonna you know sort of feel like they've crashed and burned. I, I just feel like you know reality sets in a little bit here, and the reality is the Saints are a Super Bowl contending team, and the Denver Broncos are not. That's just that's just where we live right now, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I am hopeful that what we see is some some progression some improvement in places and, and maybe a, you know just a good offensive game plan would be nice uh, which is really what i'm hoping for all right shall we take a quick break then we'll come back we'll do uh, a little bit of uh, looking at the afc west and then we will do our whip around the league and then we'll wrap things up so we'll be right back
1: anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect
2: All right, Ian we're back uh, some uh, it's it's Thanksgiving week so there's obviously uh, the Thanksgiving day games which um, you know we'll get to but also there's uh, there's some AFC West action going on and so let's let's jump into that uh, starting with the Chargers at the bills uh, they're gonna fly across the country and play a noon game everybody knows how well that's gonna go probably um, and then you have uh, the Raiders playing the Falcons also a noon game Uh at Atlanta, and the Chiefs are playing uh, against the Buccaneers at the Buccaneers. So uh, everybody is away except for the Broncos in the AFC
3: West. I think the Bills are going to win. Raiders should beat the Falcons, and the Chiefs will beat Tampa Bay.
2: And I hope I, 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 I hope that you are wrong about the Chiefs winning, just because we all hate the Chiefs. I hope you're wrong about the Raiders winning, uh, and yeah, the Bills are going to beat the Chargers. Like I don't think that's really a that's not a question, right? Demonic Derek Carr, though he might he might show up and, and scare everybody in Atlanta. That's a possibility. That picture was hilarious, right?
3: Oh, it was. But it, it's also a reminder of how good Patrick Mahomes is. Yeah, he's an Does, incredible
2: football player. No doubt about that. Ugh, just terrible.
3: I, I got sick saying it, but it it's still the truth. There, there is no doubt he's the best quarterback in football right now. And it's not even close.
2: Yeah, can't can't cannot argue with that statement. Um, I, I guess so. L- let's talk about the Thanksgiving Day games because they are there, and it's a you know the traditional games, and they've they've got the three games now because they do the Thursday night game along with the two games that they normally do, uh, and you have uh, the traditional teams playing and the Lions and the Cowboys, but they're not playing against each other. So you've got Texans, Lions, you got Cowboys and the football team from washington like i guess from washington dc though not from washington state so we gotta make sure we understand that and then it's raven
3: steelers that night if raven steelers happens because Ravens right? have had some covid outbreaks and apparently we're at the point where you have to have like i don't know what 20 i think the that might be the number of the nfl is like well 20 might be it but if it's like 15, I think you could still play.
2: You know, I don't want to I, I don't want to get into the COVID conversation because I know people don't want to hear it, but it it would just be nice if and I think it's important that this is stated, it would be nice if the NFL would have just come up with some sort of protocol and then stuck to it. Because If you think about what happened to the Denver Broncos and the fact that they essentially lost their bye week uh, and and they still came and they still won the game, right? They still were able to prepare and play and they beat the Patriots, which is fine. But what happened with the Broncos with their COVID outbreak and with what was going on with the Patriots, because it was the Patriots that had the outbreak – now you you know, you know kind of look at it and go, well, now what though? Why is it different for Team A uh, than it was for Team B? And why do things change as we go down the road? Maybe there's a scientist that's there that's telling them this, that, or the other. I don't know. But it, it just feels like it should be uniform. It feels like no matter what your feelings are about it, the NFL should have a set standard rule that this is what happens if. And they don't, and it ends up being very frustrating as a fan to not know what's going on.
3: And that's the whole point. I, I mean, if you're, it, it feels like the rules change depending on the team. And I, I is it any is there any doubt that the the, the NFL is not going to cancel or postpone this game because you have a great rivalry that has potential to be a great game. So of course the NFL is not going to. Postpone this game, and it's but a it, prime it just time. exactly. It just it, it feels like, like I don't want to get into the COVID discussion either. I mean, it's kind of hard since it's overtaking everyone's lives again. But when you have a league that can't figure out what a catch is, it's not exactly surprising rules. that they're not going to be able to tackle this kind of a huge issue. Yeah, it's
2: it is. It's, it's just obvious that they, they they never came up with a set plan. And I think that maybe that – here, I'll give the NFLs a little credit. Maybe that was their point. Maybe the whole idea was to not come up with a set plan so that they could just play it by ear, right? So they could just make decisions as they go. And I, I, I do see some value in that. But if that's the case, then come out and say that. Come out and say, you know what? We're gonna, we're not gonna put a set rule in place, but we're gonna go ahead and and just kind of play this by ear, and uh, we'll we'll go on a week to week basis. And if we feel like we need to postpone something, we will. Uh, But if we feel like it's something we can handle, we'll handle it and we'll move forward. Say that. Give me something instead of this, like, well, you know, maybe we'll do it this way, maybe we'll do it that way. But you'll never really know what the what the standard is, and you won't know if we have a standard. I mean, just come out and say, hey, we have no real standard here but we're going to we're going to play this on a case by case basis. I I respect that. But that's not what they're saying. It, it appears to be what they're doing, maybe, but it isn't what they're saying, and that is frustrating.
3: And then in terms of the other games, it's not necessarily a game that I'm looking at, but it's a team. The Colts, I I think are another one of those teams that has the potential to be a team that can make a run in the AFC. Now, I I still don't know if Phillip Rivers is the quarterback to do it because we saw for years with him with the Chargers what he tends to do. But I I think that Colts defense is is for real. I think they have a very good offensive line. So the Colts is definitely a, a team to keep an eye on, and it looks like Sean McVay has the Rams back to where they were a few years ago.
2: Yeah, I think that game against the 49ers, they play the 49ers uh, in Los Angeles. I think that'll be a fun one. I think that'll be a fun game to, to watch, even though the 49ers are banged up and, and maybe they'll, they'll fold. Maybe they won't. I don't know. I, I think we all know that uh, Kyle Shanahan has done a really good job with them, uh, and, and he's dealing with uh, being the coach of a team with a ton of injuries and a ton of issues as well. So, uh, you know, th- that could be a, a really interesting game. You also have the sort of traditional Bears-Packers game, right? This the old school football uh, Bears at Packers. Uh, even if it's not as <laughs> it's it's really not a rivalry. Like if you look at it from the outside, uh, the Bears don't beat the Packers. So and I hi I live in the Chicagoland area. I'm out here in the Midwest. It is a it is a huge issue for them. But you know Sunday night football, you got nothing else to do. Watch the Bears and the Packers. Why not? I mean, it couldn't hurt, right?
3: And especially the Packers coming off a, a tough overtime loss to the Colts, the team that that I just mentioned. I, I think the Packers are another one of those teams that has the potential. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's interesting. I don't know if – I think a lot, a, a lot of the, the Packers faithful will say that even with that loss to the Colts, it still showed them a lot about the Packers. And I think you can't discount Aaron Rodgers as long as Aaron Rodgers is on the field – They have a chance regardless of who his receivers are. I think the key for the Packers is the defense. If the defense is anything like it was a year ago, which I don't know if it has been this year. I I think it's fallen off a little bit. If they can get the defense back to the way it was close to where it was a year ago, they have the potential to make a run too. Yeah,
2: I don't disagree with that. I mean, the the Packers are a team that, like you said, with Aaron Rodgers, they're always going to be um, formidable, they're always going to be dangerous, and so that you have to take that into account. Uh, but that defense, I think, is a little suspect. I think the defense is not as good as it was in 2019. I, I If you watch them play, they're inconsistent. Uh, they have some really high good moments, and they have some pretty low bad moments. And quite frankly, the, the weapons around Aaron Rodgers, and this is where I think that the Packers become a team that is not as big a threat as a team like the Saints in the NFC, they just don't have the same weapons. Devontae Adams is great, but that's it. I mean, that's pretty much where you draw the line when it comes to the wide receivers. And when it comes to to the running back situation, you know, who knows what you're going to get there. So uh, the Packers are an interesting team. I think that they have the potential to to be in that Super Bowl conversation, but the inconsistencies are one of those things that, Uh, They they catch up with you, right? When you have those kinds of inconsistencies, you have a lack of weapons. Even when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, you're going to struggle with that. I think we see that with the Seattle Seahawks right now. Uh, They're another team that uh, is potentially a Super Bowl team. They play on Monday night against the Eagles. But they also, and this is the other, the other side of that coin, they also have a lot of inconsistencies on that defense. And so Russell Wilson, who is another quarterback that can be uh, a franchise-leading uh, sort of you know Super Bowl quarterback, he's, he's really carrying that team as well. So one thing it tells you is that if you get a great quarterback, you're always in contention. We know that. Uh, John Elway for years and then Peyton Manning for a few years in Denver. And if you don't have a great quarterback – you're the Denver Broncos. Dang it!
3: And to put a bow on this, the
0: like key Chris- to the
2: game, like a Christmas bow.
3: Yeah, because everyone's putting up their Christmas decorations. Hey, ours are it, up because it's, it's 2020. That's right. I, the key to this game, feed Philip Lindsay.
0: You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at MileHighReport.com. And as always. Go Broncos!